Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. How's it going, everyone? Happy Friday. So today we're going to talk about first how Bitcoin moves from a risk asset to a safe haven, uh, featuring a really great little segment from Travis Kling. Second, we're going to talk about Binance US, uh, the new US-based or forthcoming, I should say, US-based Binance exchange uh, disclosed which assets it's considering and how it's thinking about it. Um, and third and finally, we're going to ask the all-important question, does crypto need a reality TV show? So let's start in with number one, how Bitcoin moves from a risk asset to a safe haven. So this is a, uh, a, a section that actually starts the beginning of the week, right? So uh, over the weekend and the beginning of the week started with news that Trump and the Trump administration were going to impose more sanctions uh, or more tariffs rather on Chinese goods. China responded by devaluing the yuan to its lowest level in more than 11 years. Uh, the Trump administration responded again by labeling China currency manipulators formally um, in a way that hadn't been for like a quarter century. And uh, the stock markets did not like this. The markets are, were down hugely on Monday. Meanwhile, Bitcoin was surging. Uh, Bitcoin got up uh, to 12 and has been hanging around 12 a little bit under all week. And so this brought up a huge uh, amount of attention around this question of whether Bitcoin was becoming a new safe haven asset, right? So you saw it on Yahoo Finance where they were asking this. The Financial Times was asking this. You see things like this article uh, from uh, the New York Post, Trump trying to trade war a boon for Bitcoin. Um, it was all over, right? This idea was that there's this new narrative. And then meanwhile, uh, this continued throughout the week. So Raul Paul, who we talked about a lot last week, um, he was on a number of different podcasts talking up uh, Bitcoin, really got into uh, what what he was seeing in terms of a currency crisis. So this tweet, which went viral, um, I'll read it for those who are listening. He says, a currency crisis, even when long-term charts all point, start pointing to a single event risk, I pay attention. And when those charts are at the key level, I focus. And when they break, it's time for action. Something really big is going on. We're at the most important juncture in FX markets in my entire 30-year career. The dollar appears... Uh, at risk of an uncontrollable rise. Let me show you. So then he goes through a number of different charts, uh, just talking about kind of what he's seeing, what the implications are all around currencies. Um, and he ends with this uh, this, this kind of statement. Um, that would be the end game for the pension system and a huge loss of wealth for, for baby boomer retirees and the start of the doom loop of BBB downgrades uh, and a potential freezing of the corporate credit markets. You get the picture. Sadly, we are one of the biggest junkers, junction, junctures for markets in history. You may disagree with my assessment of the odds. It doesn't matter. But you simply cannot ignore the risk. Bonds, dollars, Bitcoin, and gold. Thanks for paying attention. Um, so again, you're you're seeing this uh, this narrative take hold in a, in a different way. Um, Ari Paul also wrote about this uh, this week, um, and I'll, I'll quote that or I'll add that to the to the link board. Um, of course, you had some uh, some response from the other side as well. Bitcoin and gold are monuments to irrationality. Investors are turning to both assets around market uncertainty, but digital currency is a strange idea of a haven, and the metals track record is patchy. So. Again, not everyone agrees with this idea. Um, what I wanted to share today is uh, commentary from someone who lives and breathes this stuff, 
who's lived in traditional markets before they moved over to crypto and uh, and who basically is going to share um, almost the the kind of self-fulfilling prophecy market mechanism of how a move from a risk asset to a safe haven might actually happen beyond just kind of a narrative shift. So I'm going to turn it over to Travis Kling. Uh, Travis is uh, one of the, the investors at uh, Ikigai um, out of L.A., uh, who are focused on crypto, obviously, and he has some really interesting thoughts on exactly this topic. So I'm going to kick it over to him. Uh, I'm going to mute myself for a minute and we will check it out. What's up, everybody? Um, a lot of conversation as of late about BTC becoming increasingly more of a uh, global asset and getting wrapped up in um, the really dynamic landscape that's going on with um uh, kind of global macro right now. So just wanted to uh, touch on a couple of my views on how BTC shifts from being um, a kind of risk on asset to being more of a safe haven. So during big macro event days, I've been watching BTC versus gold on the 15 minute chart. And I'm pretty much positive it's being traded by global macro quant, risk parity, CTA types of strategies. And I've heard anecdotal evidence um, of the same from multiple sources. So with a risk parity type of model, you have dozens or hundreds of assets with thousands, um, sometimes number of factors for each asset. And you're looking for assets that are cheap or expensive relative to the rest of the landscape based on your proprietary model. You decide that you wanna add BTC to your tool chest. It's largely been uncorrelated for its entire life. So its relationship to other assets is unclear but you have to make some assumptions um, in your model as kind of a starting place. Uh, in 2017 and 18, where there was very little of this type of money trading BTC, but there was you know a little bit, um, you probably treated it like a super high beta stock, the tail end of the risk spectrum, the furthest thing out there in terms of the wacky shit that quantitative easing created. But year to date, that's been shifting. It's trading with CNH. It's trading with gold. It's trading with the inverse of yields. Um, uh, many discretionary global macro investors have been buying BTC for global monetary and fiscal policy reasons for insurance against tariff wars. I've heard of many examples of this. That community often refers to Bitcoin as high beta gold. Uh, so that group has been buying year to date for those reasons. So you're running your big risk parity model and you're constantly tweaking your assumptions on all your assets, but you're paying especially close attention to calibrating Bitcoin because you're not really sure what it's supposed to act like. And you see it starting to trade with CNH and starting to trade with gold and inverse yields and aggregate negative yielding sovereign debt. And so you start to recalibrate your model to reflect those relationships, which strengthens, strengthens those relationships. Then the discretionary global macro guys, they start to feel this systematic bid um, that's been in place from, from those types of market participants on BTC. And then they up their conviction on BTC starting to act like that. And then crypto traders get wind of all of this, which we've all been kind of experiencing that as of late. And they start piling into that trade, all of which further reinforces the risk parity guys model. So the relationships get tighter and tighter. And what's that mean for price action? Well, these strategies have hundreds of billions of dollars of AUM that are being deployed into them. 
And in my opinion, the best lens to look at this through is how much of the total AUM of these strategies, this kind of global macro quant risk parity CTA is being pointed at BTC and then compare that to um, HODL waves based type of analyses. So 11% of BTC has moved in the last 30 days, 11% uh, times a $200 billion market cap, that's 22 billion of circulating supply available to kind of satisfy um, daily, daily kind of speculative demand. And um, from, a, from, a, from a global fund flows perspective, 22 billion is a rounding error. If a handful of these strategies uh, decide to start playing BTC, number gotta go up. And that folks is how BTC morphs from being a risk asset into a safe haven. So uh, super interesting stuff. Obviously, uh, again, those of you who know me know I, I love and living in narratives, but um, narratives become real through exactly the type of action that Travis was just describing. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, share a link to this as well so you guys can can see it and study it on your own. But pretty interesting stuff. I don't think this um, this narrative around uh, whether Bitcoin is a is a new safe haven asset is something that is uh, is likely to go away anytime soon. But with that, let's move on to number two for the day. Binance US. So uh, Binance US is an interesting uh, force right now because on the one hand, for the first time, we're getting a, a an actual regulated um, compliant Binance exchange for US customers, which is an exciting thing. On the other hand, a lot of why people have been using Binance or have historically used Binance has to do with the long tail of assets, and that's simply not going to be available with a, a compliant US offering. So when they announced Binance US, it was also when they announced uh, just previous to that that uh, US users would be geo-blocked from, from using Binance.com. Um, they're also, by the way, geo-blocked from using uh, Bin the Binance DEX. Um, and so, uh, so today we got uh, Catherine Cooley, who's running, um, running the US efforts for Binance, uh, posted we, what we've been working on over here um, with uh, this blog post from Binance on what exactly they're exploring. So um, effectively, what this post is, is about uh, their showing showing how they're thinking about which assets they're going to list. So they've said that they've adopted something called a digital asset risk assessment framework to help select bona fide blockchain projects with a real chance of making the world more efficient to provide transparency in their listing standards and to ensure Binance US's compliance with legal requirements. So. Um, they list five factors, right? So first, whether uh, trading the candidate asset will affect Binance US's ability to comply with legal requirements. So basically they're saying, first and foremost, they're gonna be compliant. And if an asset uh, looks like it's not, or if it's a security or whatever, um, they're not gonna list it. Second, whether a candidate's uh, candidate assets core team has a clear strategy to solve a real problem may make the world a more efficient place. It's interesting that they keep using the word efficient. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's behind that. Maybe that's just kind of how they're uh, how they're loosely describing what these cryptocurrencies and crypto assets do. Um, but I think that the key part here is probably core team, clear strategy, uh, and real problem. So there's people who are actually working on this. It's not just kind of, it doesn't exist just to kind of pump and dump. Um, third, whether a candidate assets community has a record of reaching compromises and consensus to move the project forward and how well the assets core team interacts with the assets community members. You know, this is an interesting one to try to parse through. On the one hand, you know, it sounds like they're worried about um, they're worried about the issue of forks, 
uh, potentially, um, and contentious uh, hard forks in particular. Um, on the flip side, it could just be that they're wanting to assess the extent to which there's an actual community who's going to provide some sort of base level demand for, for an asset. Um, number four, whether a candidate asset's market supply and demand are reasonably fair and likely to meet uh, Binance US's quantitative standards. Um, and then five, I'll just wrap this up, whether the candidate asset is technologically secure to transact and, and or realistic to build. So uh, basically, they're, they're saying these are real things. They have to reach a certain threshold. Um, they listed, uh, I guess, one, two, three, four, five, six, like 30 assets that they're considering. Um, probably should have known that before I looked at this. But uh, for those of you who are, are listening, we're, we're looking at a graphic of some of them. Um, there's a lot that you'll recognize. So there's uh, Cardano, Cosmos, Brave, um, BNB, uh, Bitcoin, Dash, EOS, and a huge number of others. Um, um, a lot that you'd expect, uh, probably, yeah, it looks looks pretty similar to what I think you might expect. And um, and so these aren't guaranteed to be listed. It's just which, which of those assets they're trying to run and apply that framework to. So one of the interesting questions around this is um, how it's going to make them or where, where it puts them vis-a-vis -vis Coinbase, right? In a lot of ways, Binance US is uh, is a Coinbase competitor or is, is effectively a Coinbase competitor. Um, so Dudas from, from the block uh, tweeted, the Binance America story has been updated to highlight the competition with uh, Coinbase. Binance will almost certainly undercut on fees and this is going to be a battle for the ages. Um, so if you look at where the uh, where where the volume is traded volume of exchanges, Binance is uh, in the lead by a lot. It's fifty four percent in July. Coinbase, on the other hand, captured only about fourteen percent of volume. Um, but on the other hand, uh, the block points out that compared to all other exchanges, Coinbase gained the most market share throughout the year since July twenty eighteen. Coinbase has gained eight point eight percent market share versus. Uh, Binance has gone down by 2.4%. So anyways, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that it provides another bellwether in the US for uh, for a major company making kind of uh, subjective decisions or, or assessments of where the regulatory regimes are. Um, so important, no matter, no matter what you think about these particular assets or which asset you're hoping shows up there. Um, and with that, let's wrap it up with a fun one. Does crypto need a reality TV show? Um, not necessarily a question I would have thought that we were going to be asking a couple days ago, but in the spirit of it being Friday, I thought this is a fun fun thing to to end the the week on. Um, so Jeremy Gardner, who uh, is an investor um, with Awesome Ventures, an independent angel investor, has produced uh, basically uh, you could almost call it the YouTube version of a pilot for a reality TV show called Crypto Castle Chronicles. Crypto Castle being the name of uh, of kind of the house and space and co working slash incubation type lab, which he founded um, first in San Francisco and then moved it to Miami. Uh, so uh, they just dropped the trailer uh, for this show. Um, and uh, and it's it's interesting. I think it, it starts in crypto, uh, but it's actually a lot about, it sounds like, uh, Jeremy's attempt to go get funding for um, for a, a new startup of his called Made Man, um, which is basically a lifestyle uh, company for men, starting with skincare products. Um, and it sounds like it's a lot about that. However, uh, you know, there's 
still a ton of crypto background pomps in it. Um, there's a, a number of different interviews. So, uh, so, okay. So here's, here's what I wanted to do just because I, I think it's interesting and it's fun to debate things. So the, let's talk about the cons, the pros, uh, and, and the reality of this. So why, why might this not be the best thing? What's the, what's the con to something like, uh, like this, this crypto castle chronicles? Um, I think it's, it, they're, they're really obvious, right? Uh, crypto has been plagued since the beginning, or at least, uh, a, since the the beginning of people noticing as ICOs popped off with the idea of it being kind of just a, a glorified get rich quick scheme. Um, and, you know, uh, Jeremy's show has a lot of kind of echoes to that. Um, it acknowledges uh, his his kind of, uh, you know, how how he fell into this industry and what he did with it. And there's a lot of the kind of like, you know, crazy partying and, you know, extreme life type stuff um, that makes for good reality TV, but is not necessarily how some folks want the crypto industry represented. Um, the, the I guess the second piece of that is kind of to the extent that we are uh, trying to get larger institutional adoption, which to be fair, not everyone is, uh, that image of, of it being kind of like party kids might not be uh, super helpful for that effort. Now, pros, what are the actual pros of this? I think it's actually, uh, there There are some potential good things too, right? So one is um, we live in an entertainment world. Uh, there's just no getting around it, right? Like between the Kardashians and, you know, the US president, um, it is it is just a reality TV entertainment driven culture. And right now there is none, zero, literally none, no content, uh, crypto content that's kind of like culturally oriented, reality TV oriented, entertainment oriented. Um, so this does, basically this potentially speaks to the larger culture on its own level. Now, again, it's totally reasonable to uh, debate whether whether you the, the crypto industry should be trying to speak to um, culture on that level, but this promises to do that in a way that other things don't. It's a new phenomenon in the set of crypto content. So that's at least interesting. Um, second, it does seem to me just with the, the trailer that we've seen so far that really the show is more focused on the entrepreneurial journey that uh, that Jeremy's going through and kind of the next phases of his life, not just rehashing the same uh, crypto stuff. Um, so, you know, I think that that makes it more plausibly kind of uh, more plausible that his argument that it's actually educational reality TV or that at least um, it, it has some of that value um, seems more more realistic to me in the sense of there being uh, that that journey and that narrative arc of him going out and trying to raise money for frankly for a non crypto startup. Um, so here's the real thing, though, we are in the crypto industry. And the reality is, is that think what you want of it. Uh, no one asks for permission in this space. There is no such thing as permission. People just do things and the market either embraces or rejects them. Uh, and uh, Crypto crypto Castle Chronicles will be no different. But um, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Uh, is this unmitigated uh, cringe? Uh, is this something that you think is actually pretty cool and want to see? Um, is it both? What's the what's the story? What's your take on it? Uh, let's debate in the comments on Twitter, wherever you want to. Um, and uh, for that, I'll wrap up here for Friday. I'm going to end the recording for the purposes of the podcast. Um, but for those who are watching, uh, I will uh, I will show the show the trailer real quick before we get out of here. So um, thanks as always for watching, guys. I will be back on um, look out on Sunday for a long read Sunday, and then I'll be back on Monday for a new. Three at three. All right, guys. Cheers.